Hello and welcome to the Glenn Merzer Show. You can find us on YouTube and also for the audio podcast at realmeneatplants.com. Please remember to subscribe. I'm trying to get to 2 million subscribers. If I can get to 2 million subscribers, that will be very good for the vegans. I'm a little bit shy of that now. My special guest today is my friend Shada Soleimani. Welcome, Shada. Thank you, Glenn. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you here. And Shada is going to be doing a a cooking demonstration for us a little later. Uh, But first, let's talk about how you came to be a big part of the plant-based food movement. So uh, tell us about that. Well, let's see. About 12 years ago, I had hit my highest weight, and I had to figure out a way to lose the weight and keep it off once and for all, because as most everybody does, we all yo-yo diet. We'll go on the Atkins. We'll go on the Jenny Craig. We'll go on Nutrisystem. We'll do Weight Watchers. But, you know, all of those diets, they work really well, but the problem is They work for the duration of the time that you're doing it. Once you stop doing those diets, then they stop working because you go back to your old habits of eating and all that. And you're not eating really whole foods. Well, you know, I've always said that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's exactly what happened with me. Um, I was. And who was that teacher? Well, there was two teachers that I'm very, I owe a lot to. And that was Chef AJ and Jean-Pierre. Those okay. people were really instrumental in everything that I have accomplished, even to this day, and I can't thank them enough. So, and the way I learned about Chef AJ was really interesting. I um, I came home one day, and my mom was listening to PBS, and it happened to be Dr. Furman. Well, Dr. Furman, I, I, had, I didn't know him. I don't know anything about him. So I started Googling him, and I'm like, oh, I kind of like what he's saying. It, it started to resonate with me because... Prior to that, I had already gone vegan, but you've got to understand that I was your classic junk food vegan because French fries from McDonald's is vegan, Oreo cookies, vegan, Diet Coke, vegan. So I was not doing it the right way. To make a very long story short, I decided to go on a trip. He was having this um, excursion in Utah, packed our bags. Mom and I both went. When we got there, I really enjoyed the food. And what I loved about it was I could eat all I want. He wasn't being restrictive in all the salads and the beans and the soups and the this and the that. And I'm like, that can't be true. I mean, like that just didn't make any sense. But I liked it. And I decided, well, let's see where this is going to go. So on the drive back to the airport, we started asking people in the van saying, what other, you guys seem to be going to a lot of these conferences. So tell us more about it. And one of the gals said, well, where do you live? And I said, I'm in Southern California. She goes, well, how far is Burbank to you? And I said, well, not far considering that I work in that area. And she goes, well, there's going to be another excursion. And I, uh, and I forget the, the name of the excursion, but it was Jeff Nelson who had it on. And I immediately signed up for that excursion. So that was a three-day, and it was literally like maybe 15, 20 minutes from my house. It was right next door to my office. And so I went there, and we signed up. And we, as we were getting into the elevators, we got in with these people, and they, and they were both elderly, and they were thin as can be. And they're like, oh, what are you guys here for? And I'm like, I'm here for the vegan conference. And he goes, Really? He made me feel like, well, you don't look vegan because I guess I looked unhealthy and mom was overweight. But that was okay. Along there, that weekend, I met a lot of wonderful people. And one of those people was Kenny Malcolm that I met. And he's the one that introduced me to Chef AJ. I had no idea who she was, where she was. I, I knew nothing of her. And I said, well, Kenny, how do I meet this woman? And she, he goes, well, come back tomorrow morning, find me. This is where I typically sit, and I'll introduce you to her. And she teaches cooking classes out of her apartment in Sherman Oaks. And I thought, bingo, this is, this is, this is for me. So I went, and I found him the next day. But Chef AJ wasn't there because she was doing this show called Cupcake Wars or something like that. So she wasn't there. I said, Kenny, how am I going to get a hold of her? 
and he goes, don't worry about it. Give me your phone number. Um, I'll have her reach out to you and get in touch with you. I'm a, if you know me, I'm a very impatient person. Like I want things done like immediately, especially if they tell me they're going to do things immediately. So I go home that night and I'm like, I can't wait for this. So I started Googling AJ, started Googling her, found her um, email address. I found her husband's email address. And I said, you know what? The heck with it. I'm just going to email them both. Somebody's bound to respond. And if they don't, well, Kenny said he's going to do what he does. Well, much to my surprise, AJ responded that night. And I'm like, and I, and I here I'm thinking she's a rock star. And I'm like, oh my God, she responded. I was so excited. And, um, and she said, you know, where do you live? And I said, well, I'm in LA, but my mom's in Orange County. She goes, well, I'm going to be at Whole Foods in Orange County. I'm teaching a class. Can you come? And I said, of course I can come. So, of course, mom and I went, and that's where I met Chef AJ. Oh, my God, loved her food. Immediately signed up for another program she was having. Met Rebecca, her sous chef. And at the next event that she was having, she had Doug Lyle there. I met him. I met, I met John Pierre at that conference, actually. And so everything, it's, it just seemed like all the stars were aligning for me to meet the people that I needed to meet to get to where I was supposed to go. And so I really resonated with, with JP because, you know, he's all about fitness and nutrition and psychological work. I resonated with AJ because her food tasted amazing and, and she had found a way to, you know, to do all this. And so the two of them, when they decided to have a class called um, Unprocessed or UWL, they forget that first class, that was the turning point. So she had a four-week class at her house with her and JP. And at the end of the four weeks, you would see how much weight you've lost and you followed their program. And I thought, what have I got to lose but to try this? Now, prior to doing that four-week class, I had started with JP a little bit. What I loved about JP is he not once asked me about my weight. He never talked to me about diet. He just told me what I needed to do. He got more into my head than anything else. And the way he got into my head was with exercise. Cause I love, I, I don't care how, if, even if I weighed three, 400 pounds, I still exercise. That, that was my passion. I loved it. And so we had already started doing that. When I started that class with Chef AJ, I tore a ligament in my ankle. So I was in a boot all the way up to my knee and I couldn't really exercise. And JP said, hmm, no, you can still exercise. He would come to my apartment and I thought, oh yeah, I'm just going to be sitting in my chair. What kind of exercise am I going to do? You know, oh my God. He gave me the toughest and the hardest workouts possible with me not even not being able to put any pressure on my foot. So that was out of the, you know, I could not use that excuse of, oh, I have a boot on and my leg hurts or this hurts or that. Then we started the class with Chef AJ. And I told everybody, all my friends and family, I'm like, leave me alone. I'm going to do this for four weeks. If at the end of the four weeks, you know, nothing happens, then okay, fine. But, but if, this, if this four weeks works for me, I'm in it. And I don't want to hear it from anybody. And they're like, okay. So much to my amazement, at the end of the four weeks, I had lost 18 pounds when AJ got me on that scale. Now, pretty good. I thought that scale was broken. I made AJ take it four times because I did not believe that 18 pounds had come off in that, for, in that first month. So that set the tone. Then another thing that happened the first week when we met with Chef AJ and JP, JP sat across from me from the couch. Now, at the end of the class, AJ brought, brings out this dessert. And it was all completely whole food, plant-based, no sugar, no this, no that. And it was a, if I recall correctly, it was a chocolate peanut butter tort or something, because I, to this day, never had it. And that cake, start, and we were all excited, including me. I was really excited to have that that night. So that cake came around. This was like a graduation cake for it the was, weight loss no, class? No, the first night. This was the first oh. week that she... First. First week she had made this and she wanted us to, you know, I guess whoever wanted to try it. 
And so I was super excited. And as it came around and around, next thing I know, I lock eyes with JP and I never took my eyes off of him. He never once said one word to me. And all I did was take that cake and I passed it over to Zena and it off it went. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-huh. what the hell just happened? But you know what? <laughs> that set the tone. That set my mentality. That set the tone of, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to have that laser beam focus. And this is how it's going to be. And I, I have never looked back. So I always used to joke with AJ that for my birthday, um, I wanted her to make me that cake for my 60th. And I am now 62. And yet I told her, please don't make that cake. I don't need to know what it tastes like, what it is, or anything like that. So to this day, I've never had it. But it set the tone for the rest of my life. It really, mm. it really did. And, um, and you know, doctors had told me in the past that it would take uh, Herculean efforts for me to ever lose weight. I have the letter to them say it's in the house somewhere, which totally devastated me to hear those words. And I would love to find that doctor right now and to tell him, hey, listen, I did it. And here it is. And I did it eating whole food, plant-based foods. And, you know, no potions, no goop, no nothing. Um, My cardiologist was really impressed because I had gone, I took a year off and I completely devoted myself to this way of eating. I wanted to learn everything that I could learn and to do it correctly. This is how focused I was, how determined I was, and it, and it, and it, I just had to do it. You know, I was tired of getting up every morning and looking at myself in the mirror and just crying because I had completely lost who I was. I completely was not this person anymore. And so for that one year, I took, I took every class that AJ taught. I took every class that JP taught. I went to the McDougal program for 10 days. I went to True North for about four weeks or so, four or five weeks. And I went to, um, I did, I did another one, but I just had to immerse myself And the other thing I did, I stuck myself to AJ's hip like there was no tomorrow. Literally, AJ and JP were my mom and dad. Like, I knew that if I were to step out of bounds, one of them was going to grab me and just say, hey, you're going the wrong way. And so what I did is I completely, completely attached myself to those two. Whatever class she taught, I always asked her, can I be your sous chef? Can I help you? At True North, I did the same thing. I was there as a guest. Her and Rebecca, um, Rebecca was her sous chef, and she was teaching. And I used to go in the kitchen at night, and I said, I need to help you guys. You guys need help. And why did I do that? Because the more I did that, the more I learned what to do. And the more it was ingrained in my head what needed to be done. So that was fantastic for me, and that's where I learned it. And at the end of... When I, when I saw Dr. McDougall, he took me off of all my medications. And I was on cholesterol and triglycerides. I was pre-diabetic, all of that. And so my numbers started coming down. Now, prior to all this, my doctor had encouraged me to start taking higher doses of these medications. And I'm like, yeah, 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 uh-huh. whatever, whatever. And did your doctor say anything about diet? Well, he he was integrative and he tried and he knew I was vegan and he, you know, he would give me like the Gardein. He would give me this and that. And we all know Gardein, yes, it's a good transition, but it's not the healthiest food that you that you could have. He his, right. you know, he, he wasn't too much into nutrition. He has since me working with him has become extremely knowledgeable. And so. I stayed off the medications. McDougal took me off, so I took my mom off of them because we were going to eat the same thing. And so at the end of three or four months, we go back to see the doctor, and he comes in. All, and we always go together because he sees both of us, so, you know. And so he sees both, and he goes, oh, my God, you guys look fantastic. I couldn't be more pleased. Your numbers are low. You're, you've lost weight. I told you taking the medication would help and blah, blah, blah. I said, <laughs> yeah, we need to have a little chit chat. And he goes, why? I said, please have a seat. He goes, what's going on? And I said, um, before I could even say anything, my mom blurted out. And she goes, yeah, we're on zero medica- medications. 
And he goes, what did you say? And I said, well, here's the thing. You give me medications to make my numbers look really pretty, but you don't give me medications that deal with the root cause of the problem. Now, right. have, this is what I've started doing. So I started explaining Dr. McDougal, and he's, you know, he's sitting back in his seat because he's totally dumbfounded. And so I'm telling him about McDougal. I'm telling him about Dr. Esselstein. I'm telling him about Dr. Fr I'm telling him all about the plant-based doctors. And I said, so this is what we're doing. He goes, tell me what you're eating. And my mom goes, oh my God, we're eating a lot of potatoes and it's like so good. And he goes, <laughs> you, you can't have potatoes. And I said, why can't we have potatoes? Oh, well, they're high in glycemic. They're this, they're that. I said, okay. I said, first of all, we're not having white potatoes. We are having sweet potatoes, which is highly nutritious. Now, wouldn't you say that if I'm covering my potatoes with beans and broccoli and salsa and stuff like that, isn't that healthy? He goes, well, yeah. And I said, ah. I said, so I've eliminated the sour cream, the butter, and the cheese and all of that. He goes, well, yeah. And I said, but forget about all that. How are my numbers? How are mom's numbers? He goes, I couldn't be more pleased with your numbers and the results you guys are getting. He goes, okay, sit down and tell me exactly what you're doing, and I'm going to walk you through this, and I want to see you back in three months. I said, fine. We'll come back as many months as you want. And we're did, you say, did you say that he said he's going to walk you through this? Well, what meaning that he's going Because to the truth is you were walking him through it. Right, but I think what he meant was that I'm going to keep a close, tight eye on you, and I want to do your blood work every three months, and I want to see you, and I want to make sure that you're, what you're doing is correct. And, and so I said, fine. I said, under one... Well, well, the reality was it's good that he had a little bit of curiosity. He had a lot. But he, but he, he you were helping him far more than he was helping you, yeah. if you ask me. And so... The next time I went, I brought him the books. I brought him Dr. Esselstein. I brought him Dr. McDougall. I brought him Dr. Furman. I, I brought him all the books that, you know, anybody. I even brought AJ's book. And so he goes, wow, these are fantastic. I said, yes, I really want you to read these. And I want you, especially because you're a cardiologist, I really want you to study Dr. Esselstein's book because he's a cardiologist. I said, you guys both have mm -hmm. a lot in common, and you can help your patients, and blah, blah, blah. He goes, I see whatever. He goes, okay, what new recipes do you have for me now? So him and I started having a dialogue. For about a year, we really had a great dialogue, and he could not be more happy about what mom and I were doing, and he was all on board. In fact, it's gotten to the point where he, you go to his office now, he still has all the books, and one time... One of his patients took Dr. Esselstein's book, and he was really upset about it because he, he is now a follower, believe it or not, of Dr. Esselstein. Like, ah, very good. You see, you helped him. Yes. And so he, you know, he goes, Shada, I try to teach my patients as much as I can. I said, I know. I know at least you're giving them the, you know, what that should be done. But it's their choice at the end of the day. You know, whether they want to do it or not to do it, but at least you're starting that conversation. You're having that dialogue with them. And I've been seeing him now for 10 years, and I'm telling you, he eats, he is not 100% plant based like we are, but from what he tells me, he's eating like 80% like we are. Like he could not be more than happy for what has transpired and what has happened. So I think a lot of times, we really have to be our own advocate for our health. And we also need to really reach out and, and teach our doctors and let them know that there is an alternative way, especially if they're open to the idea of learning more, which he was because he is integrative and his own father dad died from car uh, a cardiac arrest. So he was really interested and he was open. So that, that helped a lot. That helped. Well, did you send the doctor a bill? I, I should, right? <laughs> no. um, so how much weight did you lose over a year or two? Well, the first year, I think I lost around 75, maybe 80. But 
but the rest of the weight came off um, slower over the sure. And and I think that's over over how much time? Well, the next like two or three years. The the rest of okay. So in total, you lost how much? One hundred twenty. It was one hundred twenty, but now I'd say probably one hundred fifteen because I vacillate between mm -hmm. the two numbers. You know, you go up and down okay. depending on the day or whatever. Um, but yeah, right around there. And you've kept that weight off for how long? Almost twelve years. Twelve years without any calorie restrictions, right? No calorie restrictions, no diet pills, no, no stupid protein powders that they want to give you shakes and this and that. Eating, you know what I loved about this way of eating? Um, what? It was the fact that for so many years in my life, they told me I couldn't have uh, like a mango or a banana or beans or a sweet potato. For so many years, I was deprived of all that. And to learn that that was all false. And it's like, oh my God, I could enjoy all my food. I could enjoy it and still lose the weight. And the best part was, I didn't have to weigh and measure a single damn thing anymore. I got so tired of weighing and measuring. It had to be three ounces of fish and then a half an ounce of this and one ounce, you know, uh, half a cup of that. I don't. You don't have to do that with this way of eating. You eat until you're satisfied. You, you That's right. And these lessons that you learned are going to be in your book. Yes. Uh, we have an announcement. Yes. Uh, Shada, tell us about our upcoming book. I am so excited about this because... This has been in, in, in my head for a long time about putting a book out there, especially a lot of my viewers have asked me to put a book together because I am Middle Eastern, I'm from Iran, and I love my Persian food. And one thing about eating this way was that I did not want to give up my Persian food. I was going to do whatever it took to find a way to keep it going. And that's exactly what I did. So this book is going to have a lot of Persian recipes in here. Then the other thing I wanted to do was, you know, I see a lot of books out there about just the one person, and it's mostly female-driven. And I, with a good friend of mine, Dr. Gustavo Tolosa, I, him and I work a lot together, and I was talking to him one day, and I said, how cool would it be if we did a book together, and I talk about my point of view being Middle Eastern, my culture, my heritage, and the struggles I went through in losing weight, but we've ultimately found it in a plant-based diet. And you come from a male's perspective and having the same struggles with your culture, because he's from Argentina, you know, keeping your food going, your, your family recipes from your grandmother and your mother. And yet here we are from two different cultures but we brought it together and we ultimately found it in a whole food plant-based diet book. I said, how cool would that be for the readers to see you don't have to give up your culture. You don't have to give up any of that. Yes, you will have to make um, tweaks to the recipe. You will have to make it more low fat and do all that. But at the end of the day, you can still keep your culture. You can, I can still keep my grandmother's favorite recipes and he can keep his grandmother's favorite recipes and we can make a book out of this and he was completely on board and i have been so excited about this and you know we called glenn because we needed glenn on this book and um, so we have we have our book now and i think it's close it's close to being finished it's been a pleasure to work on it with you and gustavo it's a charming, one-of-a-kind book. I don't think there's another book like it out there. Um, are we are we saying the title yet, or are we keeping that a secret for now? I think we now? should tell the title. Why not? All right. Why don't you say the title? Living Your Healthiest Life, One Bite at a Time, One Meal at a Time. And, and that last part, One Bite at a Time, One Meal at a Time, is sort of uh, Shada's catchphrase on her website, Healthy Cooking with Shada, and her YouTube channel, Healthy Cooking with Shada. Um, so uh, it's a charming book, and it'll be out sometime in the second half of this year. Well, and, and what I like about the one bite at a time, one meal at a time, which I think is important, 
is because it really starts with that first bite. And it really is that one meal. So let's say you mess up on that first meal. Okay, you don't need to beat yourself up. The next meal you have, start it again. You know, there's no, there's no, and that's where that saying came from, because I truly believe it is the, the one bite and the one meal. And that's how you have to look at it. Now, I have to tell you, Shader, you're wearing that Friends t-shirt. Yes. That's kind of painful for me. Why? Because I don't know if you know, I used to write in Hollywood. I used to write for television. Oh, I don't know. Yes, and I had an interview to be one of the writer-producers on the show Friends the first year really? of the show. So before anyone knew it, right? And what they do with writers is they sit you down in a room and they give you the pilot to watch, and then they interview you. Oh. So I sat down in a room and I watched the pilot of Friends, and and it was set in New York City, and there wasn't a lot of ethnicity in the cast. Right. So I thought that was a little strange. So then when they sat me down for an interview, I told them how good the pilot was, how I'd love to work with them, and so forth. And then I asked a question. Uh -oh. I said, are you planning to bring any ethnicity into the show? And they froze up. Oh, <laughs> they God. just froze on me. And they didn't hire me. And now I was reading, I don't know, a few months ago that they regret that they didn't have any much in the way of ethnicity in the show. Yeah. So there you go. That question cost me a lot of money. I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. But no, you are. Um, this book is a unique book. It is a one of a kind, and uh, I think it'll be a great addition to anybody's library. And we've got uh, what about two hundred recipes, or less than that? I don't. I've lost count. One hundred and sixty. Lots of recipes. Lots of recipes. Um, so I think many Persian recipes. Many Persian recipes. We have holiday recipes. Um, I'm Jewish, so there's a lot of. Um, recipes that were handed down to me from my grandmother uh, for like Passover, for Hanukkah and all that. So there's a lot of those recipes. So I think it's a, it's a fun book. I really do. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, would you say that the, what makes Persian cuisine so different is the spices? Is it the spices above all? I think it's the spices and it could also be the technique of the food. The food is, 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 in our culture, growing up at our house, lunch was the main meal. And to this day, that's how we eat. We always had a small breakfast. Lunch was the main meal. And dinner was something really light. And what time would you have lunch? I'd say probably around 12, 12.30-ish. Okay. I'm guessing I was a kid. I, you know. Okay. Uh, and dinner was maybe, I know my grand, because I lived with my grandparents for a long time. And I know my grandfather really did not like eating late at night. He didn't. So he always wanted to eat mm -hmm. early. And for him, early was like five o'clock, five or six. So, and he kind of got us trained in that, which is actually really good because you don't want to eat late at night and then go to bed on a full stomach like that. And the other thing you got to realize that in Iran, we did not have fast food back then. The fast food that when we came to the United States and saw it was like mind boggling going, oh, my God, what is this? We didn't have any of that. For us, even at our house, it was a treat to have meat. At our house, we had meat once a week, and that was literally for Shabbat dinners. The rest of the time, we were eating a lot of rice and beans and lentils and potatoes. Yes, cooked differently, but that's what we ate. Going out was also a treat. We would go out maybe once a month, again, you know, for to have like kebabs and rice and this and that. So, you know, we weren't brought up. And then like, like nuts and pistachios, right? Because in Iran, they're extremely famous for their pistachios. You guys have not tasted pistachios until you've tasted the ones from Iran. The, the pistachios that are here, they're, they're, they're horrible. Well, Second rate. We have second rate pistachios. You really we? do. But um, if I, if, if anybody brings me some, Ed or uh, Glenn, <coughs> I will bring some for you. Okay. But um, but when you when Grandpa used to go buy those for the company that was coming over, 
and desserts, desserts and pastries. Those were only for when we had company at the house. It wasn't like we had those around the house all the time. So when he used to go buy the pistachios, it all came in his shells. Walnuts were in their shells. Almonds were in their shells. It wasn't a free-for-all that you could go buy a bag of walnuts already peeled and diced and whatever you want to call it and have it. Like, you know, to so sit there and eat it by the handful. I remember having to go to my grandfather and say, hey, can I have this walnut? Like, can you crack this open and for me to have it? Uh, growing up, we, the houses in Iran did not have a backyard like you guys have here. Right. So in the United States, it's the front of the house and then in the back, everything, the fruit trees, the, whatever the yard is, it's back there. In Iran, the way our houses were, the front of the house, there was a gate and then you would come in and then that's where the yard and all the fruit trees and the pool ponds and everything was there. And then it was the house. So it wasn't like, you know, you had stuff in the back and our house was loaded with apple trees, oranges, pomegranate, you name it, we had it. And it was- All in the front. All in the front. And then- What was in the back? Nothing. It was just a building. Nothing. It was just a building. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Iran, mm -hmm. we had the flat roofs. And during the summer, it would get really, really hot. So one of our favorite things to do in the summertime was to get a bed and we get a cot and we put it outside on top and we would sleep outside with the fresh air. It was, it was really refreshing. And I remember as a kid, while grandpa was sleeping at lunch, you know, after having his lunch, I'd be crawling up that tree and pulling off apples and eating this and eating that. And one of his favorite things was I'd go grab the pomegranate because I, that is my favorite fruit in the whole wide world. I love pomegranates. And if you go to my website, there's pomegranates everywhere on the logo, the this and that. And so he would take that pomegranate and he would squeeze it between his hands and just squeeze all the areoles so that it would become like juice inside that skin. And then he would puncture a hole in there, give me a straw and said, okay, now drink it. It was all organic. Wow. It was all natural. There was nothing added. To, and it was, oh my God, it was the best. It was the best. Grandma cooked everything from scratch. Everything was made from scratch. Uh, at our table, there was always a bowl like this big, all fresh herbs. And I'm talking parsley, celery, cilantro, chives. And we ate a lot of that. We ate a lot of fresh herbs with our, with our meals. So eating vegan or plant-based, after I found my way, I'm like, oh my God, we're going back to the old ways. Even towards the end when my grandparents immigrated to the United States and they were living a mile from our house, I don't care when you went to their house, there was always a bowl of steamed red potatoes on the counter. Why? Because my grandfather loved those potatoes. So we were, right. yeah, we still, you know, we didn't, grandma, even when she cooked, she really didn't use a lot of oil back in the day because she didn't like it. The oil bothered her chest, right? So in Iran, one of the dishes that I had to perfect was called a tadik. Okay. What the tadik is, is when you're making rice, making rice in Iran and Persian is, is kind of an ordeal. It takes like two or three hours. We don't, it's not a two minute, uh, you know, pour the bag in the water and there you go. That's right. That, that's not rice. So the tadik is the burnt part of the, the, the bottom of the pan and it's the crunchiest part. And in order to make that, you have to use a lot of oil to make that. So it's usually about a quarter inch thick. It's really crunchy. And my poor grandmother, any Middle Eastern house you go to, they always do a big pot of that because nobody really cares about the rice itself. Everybody wants that burn part on the bottom because that's the best part. <laughs> and typically what they do is once they've taken that tadik out of the pot, they will take the oil that's left on the bottom and they will pour that on top of the rice because it'll make the rice a little bit uh, softer to eat. It'll be, it's actually really delicious. They'll sometimes take slices of butter and they'll put the slices of butter in between the layers of the rice and it'll all melt, it's delicious. Sometimes they'll take a raw egg and they'll crack it on top of the rice, which I never liked it, but 
one of our challenges between me and my aunt was, okay, we need to figure out how to do the Tadik oil-free. And I'm happy to tell you that we did. So I know you did. Uh, and, and you know, what's funny is um, people come here, Middle East Persians, and they're like, don't take the tagging out of the pot until we come and watch you do it. I'm like, all right. So they come and I'm taking it out. And I'm like, okay, you guys ready? I'm going to take this out. So I take it out and they're like, there's no oil in there. I said, I told you there's no oil. But how did you do that? I said, ah, that's a secret. I can't do I can't tell you. And one time AJ was here and she goes, teach me how to do it. I said, okay, I'll teach you how to do it. When she saw what went into her, she's like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. I, you, when, when, when it's ready, just tell me. And it's really not that difficult. It's just you got to, you know, there's some things to it. But it is, it is those kind of things that, that make me excited about uh, converting recipes, converting recipes that were hard to make. There are some in the book that it took me, one, one recipe in the book is called Kupu Sabzi, which is like an herb frittata. And that recipe literally took me two or three years to finally get it right. It took that wow. long because and it, because that that recipe, even though it's all fresh herbs, it uses a lot of eggs, a lot of eggs. In in the in the old version of in the old version, but in my yes, version, but not in that, not in your version. No, no, and I am you know for and I'm going to say it for those of you that are interested in the tahini. That's going to be a promotion. If you buy the book, guess what? You're going to get that recipe because it's not in the book. Ah, that's going to be one of the bonus recipes. That's going to be one of the bonus recipes that I'll be happy to share. You know, it's interesting. Dr. Will Bolshevitz, if I'm pronouncing his name right, who wrote uh, Fiber Fueled, his mantra is diversity of plants, diversity of plants. That's what's good for gut health. And the Persian cuisine is all about diversity of plants, right? Yep. And that's why, um, from my friends that are uh, that go to Iran back and forth, I don't. We don't go back and forth anymore. More and more Iranians are turning to plant based. More and more are 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 uh, moving more towards a vegan lifestyle. And believe it or not, I have. I guess, uh, you know, on, the, on my YouTube channel, I have a lot of Iranians following me from Iran, which I think is fantastic. Ah. And yeah. they're like, I can't believe you did this recipe. You did that recipe. You did this. And it's, and it's, really, it's really exciting. I think we're in exciting times. So. Are we going to have the book translated so that they can read it in Iran? I would love for that to happen. That's one of my goals. What, what, there's two things. Once the book comes out in English, we are going to have that translated in Spanish, because we want that book. Okay. We want that book to be out in Argentina and all over Argentina. And uh, and my next goal, once that gets done, then my next goal will be to have the book translated into Farsi, because Farsi. There, there's a there's a market for it. Definitely, there's a huge market for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, what are you going to prepare for us today in the kitchen here? So we are making a black bean and corn salad, which is super easy to make. Honestly, it's a, the way this recipe came to be was uh, I, I just had ingredients at home. And I'm like, okay, let's just throw all this together. And I'm like, oh, this tastes really good. And my mom's like, oh, this is really good. And it's literally taking a mind of its own. And I keep adding to it. I keep tweaking it. Um, so if you're ready, I'll start. Let's go. So, and I always like to start with a large bowl, even though this salad recipe doesn't need a large bowl like this. But I like it because uh, it's it's a lot easier to mix everything and, and for all the flavors to congeal together. So we're going to start with two cans of black beans that have been rinsed. They're salt-free um, that have been rinsed really well. We're going to start with that in here, put it, everything in the bowl. One thing I forgot to bring, if you'll excuse me, I have to get from the refrigerator is the lemon juice. So hold on one second. Don't go in. Okay. Let's see if I have some background music that can play. Band, would you? Oh, you're back. Okay. Never mind. I need something else too. So hold on. Oh, band. Once again, Shada has left the screen. We need a little music playing here. 
Um, okay, Shade is back. Shade is back. It's not, the, the refrigerator is just right there. Okay, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to add chopped Roma tomatoes. Now, you need about two cups, which it typically is anywhere from seven to eight Roma tomatoes. And you're going to add all that in here. And just, I'm a little anal in that I want everything chopped in uniform. Um, that's just me. So if you can do it, do it. Uh, but the smaller the pieces, the, the, the better so that you can chew it under. Then we're going to take roasted corn. Um, these are frozen roasted corn that have been thawed out. We're going to add corn to this. Chopped onions. Now, you can use regular sweet Vidalia onions if you like, but my favorite is red onions. And these, you want to make sure you chop them up kind of small because you don't want to get big chunks of onions in your mouth. And this is just about a, a one, uh, about a medium onion, just one, chopped up. Mix this really well. Okay, next we are going to add, let me move this out of my way. Now, the original recipe does not add quinoa to this, okay? This came okay. about, it, it adds avocado. So nine out of 10 times when I make it for myself and for mom, we don't add the avocado. The avocado really is a, is a treat for us, okay? Because it is higher in calorie density. And for the most part, I'm trying to keep the food at a lower calorie density. So avocado is when we have guests that come over and we'll add an avocado to it. But you guys are welcome to add it, not add it, however, you know. But I tell you, if you're on a weight loss plan, I would not add it. If you're a heart patient, I would not add it. You don't, you don't need, even though avocado is a good fat, we still don't need it. So I wanted to make this salad a little bit heartier. So I add cooked quinoa to this. Now, All the, right. the best way to cook quinoa, in my opinion, if you have an instant pot, it's super easy to make. So it's literally, one cup of quinoa rinsed and washed to one and a half cups of water. You put that in the Instant Pot, set the timer for two minutes, and then let the pressure come down naturally. Once the pressure has come down naturally, go ahead and open it. Just be careful when you open the lid so that the, you know, the steam doesn't go in your face. And then you can enjoy the quinoa. It's really, it's really delicious. Next thing we're going to add is cilantro. Now, I think the original recipe calls for a half a cup of chopped cilantro, but you know what? I love cilantro, so I, I put the whole thing in. So you know, right. yeah. One thing I want to say is, you guys, the recipe is just a guideline for you guys. It's not like we're making a dessert that everything has to be precise. When it comes to food, if you've got more tomatoes, so what? If you've got more cilantro, so what? You don't like cilantro? Put dill in there. Put parsley in there. Put some kind of an herb in there. Adding herbs to your salads kicks it up to a different level. And I, we add, I add a lot of herbs to my salads because we absolutely, like I said, you're brought up on it, and I just absolutely love it. And I'm going with the dill or the parsley. I prefer it to cilantro. Okay, so you're one of those that the cilantro tastes soapy? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think even if you did a combination of dill and parsley, I think it would be great. Absolutely yeah. delicious. Typically, I take this to potlucks and to get-togethers. Um and people really seem to enjoy it. And then I'll make corn chips and they can have it like a dip. If I don't add the quinoa to it, I'll make it like a corn chip or even if I add the quinoa to it. Now, the next thing we're going to add is the dressing is super easy. All it is is limes. That's easy. Very easy. But what I do recommend is that you guys please make sure that you add the zest. The zest is really, really important. It adds so much flavor 
to your food. It's not even, so I'm just gonna zest about two or three of these. And then I always have fresh lime, lime juice or lemon juice in the refrigerator because we have a tree back here. And what I've noticed is I'll, you know, sometimes you go to the Middle Eastern market and they have them on sale for like really super cheap. So we buy a lot of limes or lemons and we juice it and then see, I keep it in a glass jar and that way I always have it. And this tastes much better than any store-bought lime or lemon juice. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, I wish you were here to smell this blend. It smells so good with this zest. Any questions? Um, do you, do you ever make it with lemon instead of lime? Yes. It just depends on what I have on hand. Okay. And my mom, sometimes she'll take balsamic vinegar and adds that to it on top of it. So I'm waiting to find out if pomegranates are going to be involved here. Pomegranates are not involved in that recipe. Okay. Right now, because they're not in season. I wish they were in season. You know, I have um, two pomegranate trees in the back. What well, What is the season for pomegranates? It really starts like in uh, November. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you, when pomegranates are, are in season, all bets are off. I will have every meal will be pomegranates, pomegranates, pomegranates. <laughs> that's, that's how much I love pomegranates. I think AJ once asked me, she goes, if you were given your last meal, what would it be? I said, pomegranates. She goes, oh, my God. Now, we have pomegranates sometimes, and we just kind of chew them and, you know, extract the juice and then spit out that pulp. Why? Is, is that what you do, or do you eat the whole thing with the pulp? You eat the whole thing? Are you, are you kidding? That's all fiber. But it's hard to swallow that pulp. No, that's not. No, it's not? No. So maybe that's a, a Persian thing. Maybe. You go to, during the season, you go to any Iranian's house, and they're going to have, they're going to have pomegranates to the house. So one thing that's, that I've added, started adding to this recipe that is not in the original recipes on my website is these pickled uh jalapeno peppers they're chopped okay. and this adds such a nice flavor to this salad so i'll add like a tablespoon which really a tablespoon for this big of a salad is really not much when you, when you do that and if you get some of the juice in there um that's fine as well and then we're also going to add Okay, so this is gonna make me sneeze, but I'm gonna hopefully I won't sneeze. This is my a ground jalapeno pepper. Now you can add okay. fresh jalapenos to this with a seed to make it spicy, or you could cheat like I do and add the jalapeno pepper just to give it a little bit of a kick. Well, we're all holding our breath, waiting to see if you sneeze. I've had the lid open for the whole time, hoping that. It's not going to make me sneeze because typically it does that. Right. Um, so maybe that might that might have worked. Then we're going to add garlic powder to this. Now you can add uh, fresh garlic powder, and then I'm also going to add uh, black pepper to this. A little bit of black pepper. So this is a fairly spicy salad. It really isn't. No. No, it, it really isn't. So. I'm wrong again. You're not wrong, but um, it just depends. You control. If you don't want to add the jalapeno peppers to it, don't. This salad is okay. not going to make it or break it if you add the jalapeno okay. pepper. I just like a little spice. Um, I can't handle if it's too spicy. You know what I mean? Uh, right. So now we're going to add about a half a cup or more. You need to taste it. Of the lemon juice. So this is effectively your your uh, dressing. That's it. The, the it's lime juice, right? That's it. 
most of the time, I would say 90% of the time in this house, our salad dressing is lime juice with this balsamic vinegar, which is the Grand Reserve balsamic vinegar. Um, I think it says Grand Reserve 25 here, but from Napa Valley. But nine out of 10, okay. this is our dressing. I don't, yes, I do have salad dressings that I did on the website and in the book, but I try to, for the most part, eat really simple meals and keep even the salad dressings um, simpler. I have a full-time job, so it's not like I can sit and, and constantly be making salad dressings. And you know, salad dressings are good, what, for three or four days, then you gotta make a new one, then you gotta make a new one. So. I, th this is my favorite, the pickled jalapenos, the lime juice, and a little bit of balsamic, and I'm a happy girl. And for, for listeners on the audio podcast, this is one big bowl of salad. So this might uh, this might last a few days, right, Chada? Uh, more than a few days, um, probably, yes. And it's a really hearty salad. In fact, I've invited my neighbor to come over to have lunch today with us because we're making this. Um, because it is pretty big and, but it's a great salad, you guys, to take to like potlucks and to get togethers. Yeah. It's not only easy to make, it's quick, but all non-vegan eaters that I take it to, they all say, can you bring that salad again? Can you bring that salad again? Yeah. They love this. And then I'll make the chips, um, and they'll have it with the chips or they'll just have it plain. Um, you can wrap this up in a tortilla wrap. You can wrap it up in a collard green if you want. Um, you can eat it just the way it is. And like I said, avocado is completely optional, but 9 out of 10, we don't use avocado in the house. Unless, like I said, there's company coming over, men will, men will use it. Okay. Um, and that's the, that's the finished salad right there, right? I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? Beautiful. Yes. All right. Well, that looks like an extremely delicious and healthy salad. Thank you. For several days. And thank you so much, Shada, for being our guest. Again, her website is Healthy Cooking with Shada. Um, YouTube channel, same name. Instagram, same name. And the book is going to be called Live Your Healthiest Life One Meal at a Time, One Bite at a Time, One Meal at a Time. I always get that wrong. There you go. It's hard to know the order of that. It's, it's um, Yeah, but that book will be out in, before the end of the year for sure. Thank you so much, Shada. Thank you so much and for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Bye -bye. Have a good day.